1: Do something today. May the Lord have His way in us. If He's if we're defeated, it's God. If we win, it's God. I like that. You know, we come into battles a lot of times ourselves, and God's with us, and we always want the victory. But what if it's not God's will that you win the victory? What if it's God's will that you don't win the victory? You ever thought of that? Sometimes God doesn't want you to win the victory. Sometimes God wants to show Himself strong on your behalf in the midst of the defeat.
0: Sometimes God's will is confusing and completely different than we expect or want. Whether it's something big or small, God may be using it as an opportunity to increase our faith or the faith of those around us. Today, Pastor Dave will encourage us to trust God and keep going with the confidence that He is in control. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Chronicles Chapter 18 as he continues his message after this.
1: David dedicated everything to the Lord. When he got money, when he got silver, when he got bronze, even the troops and things, he dedicated to the Lord. He put the servants of, the, of, these, of these nations to work for the Lord. He knew that praise and glory belonged to God, not himself. David knew, David knew how to handle success, even failure. God used David to lead Israel to over victory of all their enemies in every single direction. During David's time, Israel possessed more of the land than was taken at any other time. The land that God had promised Abraham, David was able to accomplish this because God was with him. God was there. The Lord preserved David wherever he went. And this is like a summary of the entire chapter. Everywhere David went, God was with him, and he prevailed. Finish out the chapter. So David reigned over all Israel, and he administered judgment and justice to all people. It was a wonderful time in Israel, a time of prosperity, a time of happiness, a time of joy. No enemies were there. They didn't have to worry about those kind of things. It was a wonderful, wonderful time. And we here we meet the commander of his army, Joab, the son of Zeriah, who was over the army. Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahulud, was recorder. Zaduk, the son of Adatub, and Abimelech, the son of Abathar, were the priests. Shavsah was described. Benaniah, the son of Jedidiah, was over the the Charodites and the Peliphites. And David's sons were chief ministers at the king's table. So David sets up his administration. You're going to see that happen. When the when the when the uh, election is finally over, the person in charge sets up their administration, surrounds themselves with the people who they want in various offices. This is what's happening in verses fourteen through seventeen. This beautiful thing, all because God is ruling. David is allowing God to rule. David finally is on the throne. He's happy to be there. He knows God has placed him with her. He knows God is with him. He has the promises of God. And he is leading mightily, leading this nation mightily. And he is always regarded as possibly the greatest king ever in Israel. King David is always regarded as the greatest king. It's interesting. This is what God wanted Saul's life to be the first king. This is what God wanted Saul's life to be. Saul resisted the Lord and rejected his spirit. David did not. David did not reject God's spirit. David allowed God to subdue him, to completely have control over him, completely take care of him. And then when that happened, David knew that God would use him all the way along. See, that's what happens when you allow God to subdue you. When you surrender all to God, how many times have we sung in here? How many times has Mark Lennon said, I surrender all? Huh? Well, are we just singing songs, or are you really surrendering everything in your entire life? Or are you really just putting everything before God in your entire life, surrendering everything you have, everything you are? That's, that's important. We say, I surrender, do you? Or do you just surrender a little bit? David was totally surrendered to God, totally surrendered to God, totally. As we get to 19 in verses 1 and 2, David shows kindness. It happened after this, there we are again, after this, it happened after this, that Nahash, the king of the people of Ammon, died, and his son reigned in his place. Then David said, I will show kindness to Hanum, the son of Nechish, because his father showed kindness to me. So David sent messengers to comfort him concerning his father. And David's servants came to Hanum in the land of the people of Ammon to comfort him. And the princes of the people of Adam, well, I I went too far. David's going to show kindness because that's what kind of ruler he is. David is the kind that God is showing grace to him, so he's going to show grace to others. It's a hint for us. God has showed us great grace. God continues to show us great grace, and therefore we need to deal that grace out to other people. Instead, we're too busy judging and, and, and quarreling. We need to give grace. God gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. He gives grace. Here David has given out God's grace. So he sends messengers, and they're, they're suspect. The princes of the people of Ammon said to Adam, do you think that David really honors your father because he sent comforts to you? Did this servants come to you to search and overthrow and spy out the land? You know, you're always surrounded by those who always want to think the worst of everybody. You're they always, always surrounded by people going, are these, come on. I mean, this this reminds me, it's not near like it, but this reminds me of Satan in the garden. Has God really said that you don't have to eat of that tree? Has God really said you're going to die? So here they are questioning David's motive. Therefore, look what Hanum does. He took David's servants, shaved them, cut off their garments in the middle at their buttocks, and sent them away. How horrifying. In this day and age, talk. put yourself back into that century. How humiliating, how horrifying. How much can they do? Then some went and told David about the men and sent to meet them because the men were greatly ashamed. I guess so. Lose your beard back in that time? Your beard was your sense of manhood. To have your buttocks showing was the most disgraceful thing you could possibly think of. To shave your head? We're talking about a huge disgrace. We're talking about a huge humiliation. And who were these people? Who did these people represent? Anyone? Bueller? Mom? And the king said, Wait at Jericho until your beards have grown and then return. When the people of Ammon saw that they had made themselves repulsive to David, if you disgrace the ambassadors, you disgrace the one who sent them. You disgrace the ambassadors, you disgrace the one who sent them. When we are rejected by the world, they are not rejecting us. Who are they rejecting? Jesus. Rejecting Jesus. Thank you all for shouting out your answers. Haman and the people of Ammon sent a thousand talents of silver to hire for themselves chariots and horsemen from Mesopotamia, from Syria, Mecca, and from Zobah. So they hired for themselves 32,000 chariots with the king of Mecca and his people who came and encamped before uh, Medeba. Also the people of Ammon gathered together from the cities and came to battle. Now when David heard of it, He sent Joab and all the army of the mighty men. Then the people of Ammon came out and put themselves in battle array before the gate of the city, and the kings who had come were by themselves in the field. When Joab saw the battle line was against him before the behind, he he chose some of Israel's best and put them in the battle array against the Syrians. And the rest of the people he put under the command of Abishai, his brother, and they set themselves in battle array against the people of Ammon. Then he said, if the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the people of Ammon are too strong for you, then I will help you. Be of good courage and let us be strong for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. Look at who they're trusting in. All these people are gathering for battle around them because of this incident that happened. Because of the disgrace that they made these guys. Now they're ready to kill each other over it. That's what happens. Something happens here and there's this disgrace and they're ready for battling. But Joab has the common sense to know that God is still in control. And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. What is he saying? He's saying, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. Whatever's good in your sight, Lord, do. Let it happen according to your will, according to your purpose. I love it. I love it. So Joab and the people who were with him drew near for the battle against the Syrians, and they fled before him. So you think the Syrians and the Israelites have been fighting for a long time? (laughs) They're still fighting today. They're still fighting today. When the people of Ammon saw that the Syrians were fleeing, they also fled before Abishai, his brother, and any city. So Joab went to Jerusalem. Now when the Syrians saw that they had been defeated by the Israel, they sent messengers and brought the Syrians Who were beyond the river? And Shapak, the commander of Hadadzer's army, went before them. When it was told David, he gathered all Israel, crossed over the Jordan, and came upon them and set up a battle array against them. So when David set up a battle array against the Syrians, they fought with him. Then the Syrians fled before Israel, and David killed seven thousand charioteers, forty thousand foot soldiers, and of the Syrians, and killed Shapath, the commander of the army. And when the servants of Hadadazar saw that they were defeated by Israel, they made peace with David and became his servants. So the Syrians were not willing to help the people of Ammon anymore. Oof. We have this all because the king, Hunan, was given bad counsel. He was given bad counsel. Do you really trust these guys? They're really spies. We should do something to them. So following bad counsel, they got this thing. They, they did this horrible stuff to these messengers. And like, like I said, when you do them to the messengers, you do them to the one who sent you. And so a great battle ensues. These guys are killing each other left and right. It must have been a horrible sight. I, I can't even imagine. But they know whatever God's going to do, he's going to do. May the Lord do something today. May the Lord have his way in us. If, he's, if we're defeated, it's God. If we win, it's God. I like that. You know, we come into battles a lot of times ourselves. And God's with us, and we always want the victory. But what if it's not God's will that you win the victory? What if it's God's will that you don't win the victory? Have you ever thought of that? Sometimes God doesn't want you to win the victory. Sometimes God wants to show himself strong on your behalf in the midst of the defeat. In the time when you've been defeated, God wants to show himself strong on that time. God wants you to accept defeat in a graceful way. And know that God is still working in your life. Just because you've lost doesn't mean God's done. Be of good courage and let us be strong. I love Joab's word. He's echoing the words of the Lord to Joshua. Be of good courage. Let us be strong. Come on, guys. He's really pumping them up. I love that. God's going to give us strength. We're going to be all right. We're going to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Wait a minute. Paul said that in Ephesians 6.10. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I love that. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So many of us go out in our own might. And we wonder why it doesn't work. And we wonder why we end up not doing very well. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. For the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. May the Lord do what was right in his sight. This was very wise on Joab. Very wise, although Joab becomes a bitter creature in the end. This was very wise at this time. He knew the outcome was in God's hands. Each of us should know that the outcome of our lives is in God's hands. God knows the next thing that's going to happen. He knows what happens the next day. He knows what happens the next moment. He knows what happens the end. The begin. He knows everything. God knows your beginning and he knows your end. God knows everything. He knows the troubles that you might go through tomorrow, the troubles that you might go through next week. He knows the troubles that you're going through now. He has it all under control. And what we need to do is be like Jesus in the garden. Not my will, but your will. What do you want, Lord? What do you want for me? They take all these Syrians and they make them servants. They make all these Syrians servants. To David, David's going to use these guys to build the temple. He's going to use these labor to build the temple. He's amassing all these things to build the temple, to build the temple. We get in verse 20, and it says, And it happened in the spring of the year, at the time kings go out to battle, that Joab led out the armed forces and ravaged the country of the people of Ammon and came and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed at Jerusalem, and Joab defeated Rabbah and overthrew it. Now, if you are a Bible student, you know that this is how the scripture began in 2 Samuel when David saw Bathsheba taking a bath. He was supposed to be out to war with his men. Notice it says, when the time came for kings to go out to battle, which means it was in the springtime when the battles took place. They didn't fight in the winter. They didn't fight those storms. They came out in the springtime. They came out in the battle. David should have been on the line with his men, but he wasn't. He stayed back in Jerusalem, and that was his downfall. He stayed back in Jerusalem, and that became his downfall. Most of us know about David's sin with Bathsheba and how it happened when he waited in Jerusalem when he should have gone to battle. You can find all about this in 2 Samuel 10. God gave David a warning by showing it necessary to come out against the Syrians. David tried to lead the battle, but he couldn't. His army needed him. God tried to show him what blessing it would be if David went out to war, but he didn't heed the voice of God. David didn't heed the voice of God. And here David makes a grievous mistake. A mistake that's going to haunt him the rest of his days. And what God says to him because of this mistake causes him great consternation and great distress. He almost loses the kingdom to his son. One of the things that God says is the baby Bathsheba is going to have is going to die. The sword will not leave your household. And sure enough, one of David's sons rapes his daughter. The other son kills the son that raped the daughter. And then the son wants to come against David to take the throne. And this huge thing happens. And David has to run away from his own son. Horrible times because of David's sin. David pays dearly for his sin. And nine times out of ten... If I give you out a piece of paper before we even mention the word David, and I said, what is David remembered for? Nine nine out of ten of you will write Bathsheba, because that's what we remember. That's what we remember. but we don't see is covered in all the books, the first of the second Samuel and first and second Kings, all the books talking about David's rule and how wonderful his rule was. Joab lent the army. David remained in Jerusalem. He should have gone out to battle. But he let his mighty men do his fighting for him. It wasn't a decisive victory, but it was a victory nonetheless. It should have come when David would lead them in battle, and this will happen at the end of 19. We read that Joab defeated Rabbah. You saw this in 2 Samuel 12, 26-31. Tells us that Joab himself did not win this battle. He fought the Ammonites to a stalemate and then called David for help. And after his sin and subsequent repentance, David came out and they won the great battle. They won a fun, fantastic battle. This was the final phase of David's restoration back to God. David wears the crown of Ammon. Let's read. Verse 2 Then David took their king's crown from his head and found it weighed a talent of gold, and there were precious stones in it. And it was set on David's head. Also, he brought out the spoil of the city in great abundance. And he brought out the people who were in it and put them into work with saws and irons, picks with axes. So David did all the cities of people of Ammon. Then David and all the people returned to Jerusalem. But it happened afterward that war broke out at Gezer with the Philistines. There they are again. At which time, Sibreki, the Hushanite, killed Sipai who was one of the sons of the giant, and they were subdued. Again, there was a war with the Philistines, and Ithanan the son of Jerar, killed Lachmai, the brother of Goliath, the Gilite, and the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. Yet again, there was a war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature, with 24 fingers and toes, six on each hand and six on each foot. He was also born to the giant. So when he defeated Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shammai, David's brother, killed him. These were born to the giant in Gath, and they fell to the, by the hand of David and by the hand of his servant. So the giants return. We have another view of the giants here. Goliath's family, Goliath's brothers, his family, comes out. And they come against David, and they are subdued, and David kills them. The Lord is blessing David in abundance. He's having victory after victory after victory. And when you have that kind of victory, even after he's restored with the sin of Bathsheba, and David is restored by the Lord, and you have that beautiful Psalm 51 that he writes, that gorgeous Psalm 51, even after that, David is susceptible David is susceptible. When you have a great victory in the Lord, when the Lord does a healing in your life, when the Lord lifts you up in ministry, when the Lord does a wonderful thing in your life and things are going wonderful and and great and you think everything is hunky-dory and all things look good, look at verse 1 of 21. Now Satan stood against Israel and moved David to number Israel. Just when you thought it was safe to go back into the water... Just when you thought it was safe. Just when you let down your guard and everything is great because you have no enemies anymore because their Lord has subdued them all. Just when you're on the mountaintop and everything's are wonderful and you start down the mountaintop, somebody's waiting there for you. Somebody is waiting there for you to call you over and go, to lead you astray. To lead you astray. Oh, it's great on the mountaintop. You're having a wonderful experience up there. You're with the Lord. Peter told the Lord, Lord, it's good for us to be here. We need to build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Elijah, and one for Moses. It's great to be here. Well, I guess so. It was wonderful. What a glorious time they were having. And Jesus says, "Now, time to go down. Because Peter, the way up is down. And fruit grows in the valley. You've had your mountaintop experience. Now it's time to go down. David had a mountaintop experience. A beautiful, wonderful mountaintop experience. And even after his fall with Bathsheba, things were still going good after he's been restored. There's trouble on the way. Don't get me wrong. He suffered greatly. But he had this mountaintop experience. And all of a sudden, Satan comes by and go, got a little plan for you, David. He's susceptible. You're susceptible. You're susceptible after mountaintop experiences. Please, be careful when you are enjoying the Lord and he has done so much for you. Please look over your shoulder. Please get into the word. Please be in prayer. Please don't fall for the lie. Don't fall for the lie. Or as dear Phyllis always says, don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. He's going to throw it out there for you. Go throw it out there and let it sit a while. Gonna look real good too. Gonna look really good. You might even think the Lord sent it. Don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. You are a sure. Hope.
0: You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave has been making his way through the book of First Chronicles. I don't know about you, but the first thing I think of with this book is history, ancient history. I think of the stories of King David, but as I read through it today, I noticed how many verses there are that proclaim the goodness of God and give Him glory. Verses like 1 Chronicles 16, 29-31, which say, Ascribe to the Lord the glory do His name, bring an offering and come before Him, worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness, tremble before Him. All the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nations, The Lord reigns. David had brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, and the first response he and the people had to the presence of God was to worship Him. We want to be worshipers just like David was, and you're invited to join us. A Sure Hope comes to you out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May. And if you're in the area, we would love to worship God together with you this weekend. Our services are held at 8.30 and 10.30 on Sunday morning. You can find all the information you need at assurehoperadio.com. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. And if you can't make it in person, we stream our services live to Facebook and YouTube. That's all for today, but we hope to see you again next time as we rest together in a sure hope.